0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show Tonight, let's go back to 1945 for another adventure involving Sherlock Holmes And his able assistant, Dr. Watson Now, every time I listen to Dr. Watson as portrayed by Nigel Bruce, I'm immediately taken back almost 20 years when, as an actor here in Toronto, I played Dr. Watson in a production aimed at the young crowd of several hundred bust-in students to Ryerson College. I shamelessly mimicked Nigel Bruce's delivery. Oh, I see, Holmes. Ah, I see what you mean. Well, that gives you an idea. Now, the scene that I remember most was when Sherlock, played by fine actor Donnie Bowes, And he and I show up at the castle in the Moors, deep in the countryside. And when we arrive and are shown into the drawing room, we see a dead body. Actually, a Richard, one of the backstage crew, stretched out with only his legs visible to the audience. Well, fine. But then we notice Richard has a bright red clown nose on his noggin. Well, he was, of course, hoping to break us up. Not to be. My next move, as scripted, was to say, Good heavens, Holmes, I better make sure this man is indeed dead. So I knelt beside Richard to ostensibly take his pulse. But instead, well, out of the audience's view, I squeezed his nose for all it was worth. The tears flowed onto Richard's cheeks as he tried not to move his legs and thus ruin this important part of the plot. Well, Donnie and I so enjoyed that part of the show, and the kids never knew why we were smiling so broadly at the curtain call. So it's time now for the real Nigel Bruce to with another adventure with Sherlock Holmes.
2: This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petrie Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petrie family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us about an exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective Sherlock Holmes. And now let's drop in on the good Dr. Watson, who's waiting for us in his California ranch house. Good evening, Doctor.
3: Good evening, Mr. Foreman. Come in and and make yourself at home.
2: Thank you, Doctor. Sitting here with the lights off, I see. You've been getting yourself in the mood for tonight's Sherlock Holmes story?
3: No, my boy, I was watching the sunset. It's quite a beautiful tonight.
2: Aye, Doctor, the sun set over an hour ago.
3: Yes, I know that young fellow, my lad, I know that. But at my age, a fellow's entitled to take a little snooze after dinner, isn't he? Of
2: course he is, Doctor. Now that we've settled that, how about tonight's story?
3: Well, a very beautiful girl figured prominently in this adventure, Mr. Foreman. Her name was
2: Jasmine Lafleur. Huh? Say that again, Doctor, please.
3: I know, my boy, but that was her stage name. When she was a magician's assistant, unfortunately, I never had the opportunity of seeing Jasmine Lafleur in the theatre. But I'm told that she was a, a fascinating figure in tights and... Spangles? (laughs) Spangles? <laughs> when Holmes and I first met her, however, she was uh, dressed a little more conventionally. And her name was then Diana Venering. Lady Venering.
2: Lady Venering? Say, those tights and spangles really paid off, didn't they? Well, how did you and Sherlock Holmes come to meet up with her, Doctor?
3: In rather spectacular style, Mr. Foreman. Miss Lafleur became something of a femme fatale in the early 1900s. First of all, she married Signor Rossoni, a magician for whom she was working. On the wedding night he was mysteriously stabbed to death. A few months later, Madame Rossoni, very fetching in her widow's weeds, I'm sure, met Sir Wilfrid Venering, and after a whirlwind courtship, she married him.
2: Don't tell me he got
3: murdered too. He did, Mr Foreman. Also on the night of the wedding. This time the police found a suspect. It was a certain Major Beckworth, cousin of the dead man, and an ardent suitor of the fair Diana. The trial at the Old Bailey was one of the most sensational I ever remember. Sherlock Holmes and I, in in court on the closing day as a jury, were still considering their verdict. Holmes, the the jury's been out over eight hours. I bet you they can't agree on a verdict
4: and there'll be a new trial. I think not, old chap. Look, here they come now. There's a strong moral probability of guilt, but I'm sure they'll agree that there's insufficient evidence to convict. Mm, Perhaps you're right.
3: Just look at Lady Venering down there ahead of us.
4: What a what a stunning woman! Yes, and a woman of great poise and courage. Here it comes. Gentlemen of the jury, have you arrived at a verdict? We yes, have, my lord. How say you? You find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Exactly. Come on, Watson. Let's get a breath of fresh air. Well, I was wondering, perhaps, if we shouldn't go over and congratulate Lady Winery. On what? The fact that her husband's murderer has not been found? Oh, I suppose you're right. you ever read the book of Tobit, Watson? Tobit? I don't think so. W- when was it published? A little before our time, old chap. It's an Old Testament story. <laughs> Whatever made you think of it at <laughs> this moment? Well, it's so remarkably apposite with the case of Lady Fennery. It deals with a highly peculiar series of murders, seven of them, if I remember correctly. But who was the murderer? A jealous demon by the name of Asmodeus who strangled husbands on their wedding nights.
5: Well,
3: judging by the verdict just now, Major Beckworth, isn't the Asmodeus, or whatever you call him in this case.
5: Paper! Paper! He's in paper. Paper, paper, so Paper, 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 paper. Here,
4: Give me paper. Thank you, Captain. Thank you. Lady. Paper,
3: paper.
5: Well, Holmes,
4: what does it say? Now, wait. There we are. Listen to this. Oh. Lady Venring, widow of the murdered man, says that she will marry the suspect. Lady Venring told newspaper reporters this afternoon that if Major Beckwith is acquitted, she will marry him before the year is out.
3: Oh, my soul, Holmes, there's a positive sparkle in your eyes. You read about her. I must
4: admit, the lady fascinates me, old chap. I hope before she becomes involved in any further tragedies that we may have the opportunity of meeting her, and something tells me that we will. (laughs)
3: Sunday papers are certainly having a field day over the Venering case, Holmes. (laughs) Did you read them? No, I didn't, Watson. There's a complete life history of Lady Venering in one of them with photographs. It's uh, rather interesting. Really? What are you doing over there, Holmes? Looking out of the window.
4: Ah, yes, yes.
3: You expecting anybody home? No, come over here, old fellow.
4: Oh, it's a clergyman. That's a very agitated one. The way he's pacing up and down and looking up at our window too. Joe, what eyes! Yes, there's a fanatical look about him, which suggests either the martyr at the stake or the inquisitor lighting the faggots.
3: Mrs. Hudson's letting him in now. Well, I'll be interested to know what he's come to us about. I hear footsteps on the stairs. I'll, I'll go and have a look. How do you do, sir? Uh, come along in, won't you? It's all right, thank you, Mrs. Hudson.
4: You are Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I am, sir, and this is my colleague, Doctor Watson. My name is Whalen, the Reverend Arthur Whalen. How do you do? How sir? do you do, sir? Sit down, me. won't you, and uh, tell me what I can do for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. This <laughs> this is a very difficult subject to broach. In fact, it's only after intense personal conflict that I've been able to force myself to come to you. May I ask you, are you familiar with the Book of Tobit? The Book of Tobit? It is me. You were talking about that yesterday, Holmes. Now, I see that you've come to consult me about the Venering case. But that's amazing. How did you know? Has Lady Venering been in touch with you? Uh, no, sir, but uh, I'm familiar with the Book of Tobit, and Lady Venering's case closely resembles that of the woman Sarah in the Old Testament story. More closely than you realize, Mr. Holmes. Did you know that before each one of Lady Venering's husbands was killed, they received a threatening note? Yes, I recall that from the trial. Signed in some sort of gibberish, weren't they, sir? No, doctor. Yesterday I was permitted for the first time to examine one of these notes. The apparent gibberish was, in reality, ancient Hebrew writing. Indeed. Were you able to translate it? Yes, Mr. Holmes. In effect, it said, If you go through with this marriage, your hours are numbered. And it was signed, Asmodeus. Hmm. Name of the jealous demon who strangled husbands in the Book of Tobit. Exactly. Just why have you come to me, sir? I want you to talk to Diana, uh, <laughs> to Lady Venering, to tell her she must not go through with this new marriage. Murder is stalking her, Mr. Holmes. I have argued with her, prayed with her, implored her to realize her danger. But she is adamant. Ah, I'm afraid I should feel extremely presumptuous in giving her my advice. No, Mr. Holmes. I have prepared the way for you. You could, I'm sure, make her realize her danger. And she is willing to see me, you say? Willing and anxious. Very well. But I'd like to ask you a few questions first. Anything, Mr. Holmes. What is your interest in her? She is... She's a member of my flock. She needs my guidance. Nothing further? Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. By the way, I believe that you uh, performed the marriage ceremony at both of her previous weddings. Yes. Are you proposing to officiate at the uh, ceremony if she marries Major Beckwith? Well, I
6: I don't know. I'm
4: hoping that marriage will never take place. And so I want you to help me, Mr. Holmes. Mm. Where does the lady live? 47 Berkeley Square. Very well, Doctor Watson and I will call on her this afternoon. Yeah, delighted to. Delighted. I doubt if I can be there myself. In fact, Diana might speak more freely if I'm not. But uh, here's my my card. Oh, thank you. You know where to get in touch with me if you want to. Very well, sir. Good day to you, gentlemen. And I I'm greatly in your debt.
3: Oh, good day, sir. Good day. Hmm. Strange business, Holmes. I I can't believe that Mr. Whalen's motives are entirely
4: impersonal. Nor can I, old chap. <laughs> Hmm? What are you laughing about? I was thinking of the Book of Tobit, Watson. Hmm? In that, the role of protector, the role I have just been asked to take, uh, was played by the Archangel Raphael. I can't help feeling, Watson, that I'm making distinct strides in my profession.
7: Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I'm so glad to meet you.
4: How do you do, Lady Venering? May I introduce my old friend Dr. Watson?
7: How are you, Doctor Watson? I'm
4: glad to meet you, Lady Venering.
7: <laughs> uh, let's sit down, shall we? You're just in time for tea. Oh,
4: thank you. Uh, you know why we're here, of course. Oh,
7: naturally. Mr. Whalen came round here as soon as he'd left you. Uh, you're to persuade me to look after my mortal affairs, uh, while he takes care of my immortal ones.
3: Isn't that it? <laughs> <laughs>
7: uh, may I say, Mr. Holmes, that I'm flattered that a man of your eminence should be sufficiently interested to bother about me. You
4: them. underestimate your own importance, Lady Benring. Though I may mention that if your problem had been as simple as Mr. Whalen made it out to be, I might have been otherwise engaged.
7: You're being very frank and a little mysterious. Are you suggesting that Mr. Whalen didn't tell you everything?
4: I am, and I hope you will be more candid with
7: Sherlock Holmes, I like you. You're most refreshing. Uh, Milk and sugar in your teeth? Uh,
4: Just milk, thank you.
7: Here you are. How about you, Dr. Watson? Oh, just the same
3: way, please. Thank you, my dear.
7: And now, Mr. Holmes, perhaps you'll tell me why you think that you haven't been told everything.
4: Before I answer that, uh, Lady Venering, I wonder if I might ask you some questions.
7: But of course, anything.
4: When your first husband... uh, Signor Ossoni was killed. Did the police find any suspects?
7: Uh, yes. One. Ferdinand Gautier, a young man who had been an assistant in our magician's act. A stupid, good-looking boy who thought he was in love with me. But, of course, Inspector Lestrade had to release him. There was no evidence. Inspector Lestrade.
3: Well, you can bet that if he arrested him, <laughs> the
4: boy was innocent. Already. A warning note was found among your husband's effects, wasn't it?
7: Yes. And it was signed in Hebrew with the name Asmodeus that uh, perhaps you're not familiar with the Book of Tobit. Oh,
4: yes, yes, sir, I am. I'm, I'm familiar with it, Lady Venering. Uh, how did you know then that the Hebrew letter signified that name?
7: Mr. Whalen translated them for me. Oh, I see. And also read me the Book of Tobit. Uh, he's always been particularly fond of that book. Perhaps because it illustrates his own ideas on the dangers of marriage. Holmes,
4: he told us that he hadn't seen one of the warning notes until yesterday. Precisely. Lady Venering. I read in the papers that you intend to marry Major Beckwith, the man who has just been tried for your late husband's murder.
7: Yes, Mr. Holmes.
4: When are you going to marry him, may I ask?
7: When it pleases me.
4: Doesn't it occur to you that uh, a great deal of comment will be caused? Also that Major Beckwith's life is in obvious danger?
7: Of course it occurs to be, my dear man. But because of two tragic marriages, am I to spend the rest of my life alone, as Mr. Whalen would have me do? I'm young, alive. Peter! What are you doing here?
4: I just arrived back in England today, Diana. What's this I read about you marrying Beckwith?
7: Peter, I have guests. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. This is Peter McComas, one of our most promising young painters.
4: Oh, no, Diana, no. tell me it no. isn't true. When I left England, you loved me, and I you. I come back and then, what do I find? You're planning to marry Beckwith. Well, I won't stand for it. If you think you can throw me over like some silly boy, you're very much mistaken. I can tell things, you know. I can tell lots of things.
7: Get out of here, Peter. Get
5: out. Diana.
7: And don't come back until you've learned manners and discretion. But, but, Diana. Get out. I'm <sighs> um, sorry, gentlemen. Were there any more questions you wanted to ask me, Mr. Holmes? Uh,
4: one, Lady Bennering. Uh, where is your fiancé, Major Beckwith?
7: He's upstairs. Uh, I'm letting him stay here until the scandal of the trial has died down.
4: I must see him at once. At once? Why, Holmes? He's in no danger until the marriage takes place? The marriage has taken place, Watson, unless I'm very much mistaken.
7: What makes you think so, Mr. Holmes? You're much
4: too discreet and intelligent, Lady Vennering, to let him stay here in your house unless you were already married.
7: (laughs) We were married this morning. But we planned to keep the fact a secret for a few months until the scandal had died down.
4: May I talk to him, please? Of course.
7: I'll ring for the butler and ask him to come back. May
3: I ask, uh, madam, who married you?
7: The Reverend Arthur Williams.
3: Oh, and all the time he talked to us today, and you perfectly well this marriage had taken place. He must have just come from it. I don't trust that man, Holmes.
7: Oh, there you are, Hudson. I just rang for you. Uh, will you ask Major Beckwith...
4: Excuse to... me, lady. I, I was just on my way to telephone the police.
7: The police? What do you mean?
4: It's Major Beckwith, lady. He's been stabbed to death in his bath. Beckwith oh. murdered, too.
7: Hutchison, I'll telephone the police. By now, I'm rather well acquainted with Inspector Lestrade. Excuse me, gentlemen.
3: A business, Holmes. The third husband murdered on his wedding day. But
4: what a woman, What's She's superb magnificent! What on earth do you mean, Holmes? What courage, unconquerable spirit in the face of a fresh tragedy. Watson, she fascinates me. I haven't seen such a splendid female since we solved that case for the King of
5: Bohemia.
2: And now back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. The famous detective and his old friend, Dr. Watson, have become involved in the affairs of thrice-married Diana, one-time magician's assistant. Each of her husbands has been mysteriously murdered on his wedding day, the latest murder occurring on the same day that Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are brought into the case. As we rejoin our story, it's a month later, and for some obscure reason, Sherlock Holmes seems to have lost interest in the
4: case, though not in the beautiful... Mr. Holmes... Yes, Lestrade? It's over a month now since Major Beckwith was murdered, and we haven't found a single clue to work on. Do you expect me to supply the deficiencies of Scotland Yard? Well, it's unlikely not to help us, Mr. Holmes. And after all, you and Dr. Watson were in the house when it happened. If you ask me, the murderer's either McComas, that Irish painter, or the clergyman, Wade. What do you think, as sir? As far as I'm concerned, the case is closed, Lestrade, and I wish you'd stop bothering me. What do you think I am, nothing but a detecting machine? Mr. Holmes, whatever's come over you... You're not going out again this evening,
3: are
1: you?
4: I'm afraid so, old chap. This will be
3: the fourth night in a row. I was hoping that we might have a nice quiet evening in
4: front of the fire. Oh, I'm sorry, Watson, but I promised to take Diana to the horse show at Olympia. I should be home by midnight. Mr. Holmes. Yes, Mr. Whalen. You're seeing altogether too much of Diana. She seems to be completely under your spell. But you introduced me to her in the first place, with a request that I keep an eye on her. I made a great mistake. As her spiritual protector, I'm afraid I must ask you to stop seeing her. I'm afraid I must ask you, sir, to mind your own business.
3: I say, Holmes, have you seen the paper that that violinist, this highway, is playing at the Albert Hall tonight? Uh, No,
4: I haven't looked at the paper today. Oh, I thought perhaps we might go along and see. Oh, I'm afraid I can't hold you up. No, I'm taking Diana to the French maid at Daly's Theatre. I hear it's a, a charming musical comedy.
3: Here, Holmes. We've been friends for a good many years now.
4: Very true, old fellow. And
3: I think I'm entitled to speak to you straight from the shoulder. Of course you are, Watson. Very well, then. This Diana Beckworth. Oh. It's your own business, I suppose. But I can't bear to see her making such a fool of you. You've neglected your work in Paris that you met her. You get about as though you a young
4: fellow 20. What's come over you, oh, Stop, Stop pacing about, old chap, will you? It's a job. In fact, uh, it might be a good idea if you fortified yourself with a lip of brandy from the cantaloupe there... Uh, what I'm about to tell you uh, may be something of a shock. Um, Watson, uh, uh, Diana and I are getting married tomorrow.
3: What did you say, Al?
4: Um, I'm getting married tomorrow. But uh, you're insane. Oh, that's not very flattering. Watson, anyway, I don't see why you should be so surprised. You, you... You yourself married and left Baker Street once, didn't you? You, Holmes, a confirmed woman, Oh, no, 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 my dear Watson, no, indeed, no. You will remember in our adventure that you titled A Scandal in Bohemia, I met a lady that I have often referred to as, oh, the woman. You mean Irene Adler, but she was a criminal. Exactly, and yet Diana has the same magnificent characteristics. Keen intelligence, courage, and unconquerable spirit.
3: At home, three of her husbands murdered on their wedding nights. You're proposing to be the fall? Fo-
4: oh, rubbish, my dear fellow, because tragedy has attended her previous marriages. Is she to go through life alone?
3: Holmes, you... Uh, you really mean it,
5: don't you?
4: Of course I do. I think I will have a lip of bread. Oh, don't take it so bad, dear fellow. We'll continue to see a lot of each other. Diana's very fond of you, you know.
3: Oh, well, I'm glad. Who's going to perform the ceremony? Not the... The Reverend Mr. Whalen... Oh, no,
4: no, no, no. We decided, in view of Diana's previous marriages, that he might prove to be a trifle, uh, well, uh, unlucky. A clergyman named Bernet will officiate. Whalen, of course, insists on being present just the same. Well, what time is the wedding tomorrow? Two o'clock, old fellow. Oh, uh, I should have mentioned this before. I hope your cutaway coat and top hat are in a good state of preservation. You'll be a pretty prominent figure at the ceremony, you know. You mean that, uh, that... Well, I mean that uh, if Sherlock Holmes gets married, who else can be his best man but his old friend, Dr. Watson? It's elementary, my dear fellow, elementary. I now pronounce you man and wife. And those whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder.
3: claim the privilege of the best man and (laughs) give you a kiss.
7: Of course you shall, Doctor.
3: Joe Holmes, you're
4: you're, you're Miss Lucky fuller. Of course I am, old chap. (laughs) Uh,
7: Sherlock, I'm going upstairs to change my dress now. Very well, Diana. I'll be up shortly. I'll see you later, Dr. Watson. Very well,
3: Mrs. Holmes. (laughs) Holmes, I, I never thought I'd live to say that.
4: Uh, Watson, old fellow, I'm worried.
3: Worried? Today? Oh, my dear fellow, what's the matter?
4: Well, just before the ceremony, I received one of those warning notes signed by Asmodeus. Oh, you better be careful, Holmes. I think I'll slip out and have a pipe or two on the matter. Yes. Look after my guests for me, will you, and keep your eyes open and your ears. Yes,
3: I will indeed. Ah, oh, there you are, Mr. Whelan. Would you care for a glass of champagne or a punch or something or other?
4: Thank you, no, doctor. I'm in no mood for celebration. I'm certain that Diana has made a shocking mistake. Well, uh, really, sir, I don't think... That... I only came here in a last-minute attempt to dissuade her. Now that I've failed, I shall leave. Good day, sir. Yes, we will. Dr. Watson.
3: Oh, hello, McCormick.
4: Where's Mr. Holmes? We'll be
3: back in a few minutes. Would you care for a glass of champagne, sir? Well,
4: thank you. I should like to drink a toast to the pair. I've been in love with Diana for years, you know, but... Well, she wouldn't marry me, and... Well, I suppose I might as well make the best of it. I must say, your friend Sherlock Holmes seems like a splendid fellow.
3: He is indeed, McCormis. In fact, I may say... What's... What's... Excuse me, sir. All right, Holmes, I'm coming.
4: Up here. What knows the matter, Holmes? Follow me. Lock the door behind you. Allow me to introduce you to the demon Asmodeus Watson. Unfortunately, at the moment, she's in a faint.
0: Good Lord. It's
4: Diana. Exactly. Always an impetuous woman, she made the mistake of trying to stab me with that knife. So I bent over to strap up a suitcase. She didn't allow for the wall mirror in which I was watching her. You mean you suspected her oh, oh, all I did, old fellow. The problem was to find the proof. I first suspected her when I knew that she had been a magician's assistant. The key to the profession of magic is misdirection, and these murders have been a perfect example of misdirection of motive. How do you mean her? Well, by creating Asmodeus, thanks to the well-meaning stories of... Uh, the Reverend Mr. Whalen, from whose theological libraries she must have copied the Hebrew signature, she focused the murders on jealousy, concealing the fact that the one person with a perfect motive was herself, the widow who was to inherit. Oh, why hasn't she been caught before? she was clever, devilishly clever. She left no clues except an indirect one that I had once spotted, that the likeliest person to be able to approach a bridegroom unsuspected and stab him is his bride. Now, I wish you'd see if you can revive it, old fellow. When the police get here, I should like Mrs. Holmes to be in full possession of all her faculties.
3: Well, Holmes, I must say I never expected to be driving back with you to Baker Street
4: on your wedding day. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I feel. Dear old Watson, you really thought that I deserted you, didn't you? Oh, well, naturally! I wish you'd told me the truth, Well, oh, huh? I couldn't tell anyone, not even you. If the faintest shadow of suspicion had entered her mind, I'd never have caught her. Well, it seems to me you paid a pretty high price,
3: Holmes. You told me you made a will in her favor, supposing something happens to you b- before her trial.
4: She'd get the money, you know. Oh, the will? Oh, no, that was worthless. I told Diana... But it was a holographic will and perfectly valid. Well, what on earth is a holographic... Uh, a will drawn up in uh, one's own handwriting on a piece of perfectly plain paper. Such a document is quite legal, but I drew mine up on a paper with, um, well, with a letterhead. That made it um, invalid. Well, I see, but the fact remains that you are married, Holmes. <laughs> I, I really fooled you completely, didn't I, Watson? Uh, didn't the name of the clergyman who married us suggest anything to you? Reverend Verne, no, and why not should it? Well, Verne was a French painter of some note. He also happens to have been a great-uncle of mine and, um, uh, Mycroft's. You mean that that your brother Mycroft was a clergyman? I mean that Mycroft was disguised as a clergyman. And a very convincing job he did, too. A more satisfactory clergyman than the Reverend Mr. Whaler, no doubt, whose possible complicity may compel him to answer some very awkward questions. Then you're not married. Well, <laughs> upon myself, Holmes, I, I don't know what to say. Then well, I suggest that you say nothing, my dear chap. Let's just sit back quietly as two good friends can and brood about the uh, mutability of human affairs.
2: Well, Doctor, tonight's adventure was really a little extraordinary, to say the least. Holmes sure had a narrow escape.
3: A doubly narrow, Mr. Foreman, doubly narrow. He not only escaped the the jaws of death, but he also escaped the the clutches of matrimony. Actually, the story had a happy ending for everybody but Lady uh, uh, Jasmine Lafleur.
2: What about that artist fellow, McComas? How did he take
3: it? Oh, very well, very well indeed. In fact, in gratitude, he even painted Holmes' portrait. Not exactly a good likeness, though, one of those modern artist who paints his impressions of a person rather than a
2: portrait. What do you mean?
3: Well, now, let me see. If he were to paint his impression of you, you'd probably end up by looking like a bottle of Petri wine in a sports
2: jacket. Go ahead, Doctor. You can tease me all you want to, but I'll still rave about Petri wine. And why not? The facts bear me out that Petri wine most certainly is good wine. After all, the Petri family knows all there is to know about the art of turning plump, sun-ripened grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. That's because they've been making wine for generations, ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s. And because the making of Petri wine is a family affair, the family has been able to hand down from father to son, from father to son, all their skill and knowledge and experience. And believe me, that adds up to plenty. So no matter what type of wine you prefer, one to serve with meals or a wine for any special occasion, choose one of the fine Petri wines. You can't miss, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, what story do you have lined up for us next week?
3: Well, now, let me see, Mr. Foreman. I'm going to tell you about, uh, about a strange adventure that began by my taking a wild cab ride through the moonlit streets of London and ended with Holmes and me being trapped in a luxuriously furnished cellar below a furniture warehouse down by the waterfront.
2: Tonight, Sherlock Holmes' adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of Shoskin Old Place. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. This is Bill Foreman saying goodnight for the Petrie family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Fibber, McGee & Molly next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for Fibber, McGee & Molly. The Johnson Wax Program.
8: The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber, McGee & Company with Jim Jordan as Fibber, Donald Novis, the Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with, I gotta get some shut-eye. Here's an announcement of interest to every housewife... The sponsors of this program are making you a real bargain offer. For a limited time only, you can buy Johnson's wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat in special giant size cans for the same price you usually pay for the regular pound and pint sizes. These big cans are one-third larger, giving you one-third more wax or glow coat at no extra cost. Now the supply of these special giant size cans is limited, so to avoid disappointment, <clears throat> we urge you to go to your dealer in the morning or phone him and buy several cans of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat at this money-saving price. House cleaning days are near at hand, and you'll certainly want to have both wax and glow coat ready for convenient use. So get a supply now while you're offered one-third more for your money. These special giant-sized cans are on sale at hardware, grocery, paint, drug, and department stores. See your dealer tomorrow without fail. <laughs> Memory has been getting very bad, though we don't know why it should disturb him as he's done nothing worth remembering. However, he's decided to take the famous Gildersleeve memory course. And here, talking to the Gildersleeve representative who has just delivered the sample lessons, we find Fibber, Zing Went the String on My Finger, McGee. <laughs>
6: You say this here course is bound to give me results, eh, bud? Oh, it certainly will, McGee. I'm a Gildersleeve graduate myself, and I know.
9: Oh, you are, eh? By the way, what was your name again? It slipped my mind.
6: Uh, Dalrymple. Cyrus L. Dalrymple. (laughs) Well, look, Cy, uh, just what is the principle of the Gildersleeve memory course? In one word, association. Association. Linking words and ideas. Mm -hmm. For instance, you meet a man named Pike. Okay. Where do I meet him and what time? Uh, I'll I'll wear a red carnation, so he... No, 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 no. This is just for instance. Oh, I catch on to it. Now then, McGee, you meet this man, Pike. And what do you associate the word Pike with? Fish. Very good. (laughs) Now then, every time you meet this man, your mind produces the mental image of a fish. So how would you greet him? I'd say, hi, walleye. (laughs) No, no, his name is Fish. Uh, No, that isn't it either. (laughs) Well, anyway, you get the idea, McGee. Now, what is my name? Your name? You got a bad memory, too? (laughs) Come, come, I know my name, of course. But do you know it? I told you less than a minute ago.
9: Well, let me think. Chucks, can you beat that? Well, of course, I ain't started the lessons yet, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Now, turn your back to me a minute. Huh? That's it. Uh, uh, One, two, three. Okay, turn around. All right. Yep, I remember your face.
5: <laughs> that ain't
6: bad for a start, is it? Now listen, McGee. My name is Dalrymple, Cyrus L. Dalrymple. Now then, what do you associate with the word Cyrus? A slingshot. A slingshot. <laughs> a slingshot? For yep. goodness sake, why? Well, I had a cousin named Cyrus, and
9: when we was kids, he hit me with a slingshot right behind the barn. <laughs>
6: Well, all right, if that's what you associate it with. Now, uh, what does Dalrymple recall to you? A slingshot. Uh, Again? (laughs) Well, certainly Dalrymple makes me think of Cyrus, and Cyrus makes me
9: remember the slingshot. No. (laughs) Say, I think I'm beginning to catch on to this here stuff, bud. You leave them sample lessons here, and if I like them, I'll take the complete course.
6: Splendid, splendid. (laughs) And when you complete this course, mark my words, your memory will be just as good as mine. Well, goodbye, McGee. Good day, slingshot. Uh, Dalrymple
9: Oh, yes Slingshot L. Dalrymple
6: No Hey, but uh, Yes? You forgot your hat
10: Oh, yes <laughs>
6: Yes, I did <laughs> Good day Oh, well, I suppose
9: even Einstein gets his check stubs balled up now and then Now, let's see these lessons hmm. Everyone is born with a good memory Oh, yeah. When you dream of falling, that is a racial memory. You are remembering something that happened when our ancestors were leaping from limb to limb of the trees. I don't know what he means by that. need a tree surgeon in my whole family. So long. No. Forgot again. Come in.
11: Woo! Oh, man! so glad to find you at home. Hi, Uppy. What's on your mind? Um, tell me, Miss McGee, are we, uh, are we alone?
9: Are we alone? <laughs> Why, Abigail? I didn't know you cared. <laughs>
11: Why, please, Miss McGee, I wasn't speaking from a romantic point of view. Oh, my. Oh, you silly boy.
5: Well, now, seriously,
11: can anyone overhear us? Well,
9: either way I answer, Uppy, you or Johnson's wax is going to be unhappy. (laughs) I hope we're being overheard. Folks, don't listen for a minute. Uppy's got something confidential she wants to tell me. Go ahead, Uppy, quick.
11: Well, uh, possibly you know, Mister McGee, that I own the famous ten-carat Rajah diamond, and I was too late to get it back to the bank vault before it closed today, and I'm simply terrified to keep it at my home overnight. Would you keep it for me, please? We oui? are oh, now. Wait a
9: minute, Uppy. Am I the only one you can trust with it?
11: Well, no, no, not exactly, Mister McGee. Dear Horatio offered to sit up all night and guard it. Oh, my <laughs> I couldn't have the poor boy Losing his sleeve
9: (laughs) Say, don't let that guy Guard no diamonds, Uppy His old man was a crook And he's a jip Off the old block
11: Now, please, Mr. McGee Horatio always Speaks well of you
9: Horatio K. Boomer Speaks well of me (laughs) Actor
11: Why, of course he does. Why, only last night he was saying that if you and he were lost in the woods with only a knife between you, he'd let you have it. (laughs) Now, I thought that was very noble of him, really.
9: (laughs) I think I get the point, Eppie.
5: (laughs) Oh!
11: (laughs) Oh, well, anyway, uh, here's the diamond, Mr. McGee. And thank you so very much for keeping it for me. Well, goodbye. Goodbye.
9: Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Look at that diamond. What a hunk of ice. (laughs) Looks like Sonia Henney's backyard. Uh-oh, i better hide it quick. Where'll I put it? Uh Uh-oh, I'll drop it in this glass of water. They'll think it's an ice cube. It's a good thing I thought of that. Come in. Hello, Pepper. Say, do you remember the song you asked Don Novus to sing? No, I don't, Billy. My memory's terrible. What was it? I found a million-dollar baby in the five and ten-cent store. Did I ask for that? Is he going to sing it? No, we didn't think it would be good judgment during income tax week. Oh, let's see. <laughs>
5: hmm.
9: What's he going to sing, then? Penny Serenade. Oh, well, that's quite a discount. <laughs> well, go ahead, Billy. Folks, Don Novus singing Penny Serenade.
12: Take it, the uh, kid. Once I strayed Neath the window Of a lovely, lovely lady And she smiled While I softly played My penny hear it for a penny,
5: see, see,
12: see, just a penny serenade, in her eyes, shone the tender dawn of love and sweet surrender, as for me, in my heart I played a lover's serenade, A penny see, 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 Just a penny Serenade In a dream So divine She was mine No word had been spoken When I woke From my dream She was gone My poor heart Was broken Still I pray That wherever she may be, she will remember in her heart. She will always hear my penny serenade.
5: Si, si.
12: You can hear it for a penny. Si, si, si. Just a penny serenade. Just a penny serenade. Just a penny.
9: Folks, that was a charming little coparetta entitled Penny Serenade. Beautifully sung by Donald Duck. Or no. (laughs) I'm
1: novice.
9: Add rat my memory. Better get busy and study my lessons. Guess I better lock the doors and windows if I'm going to study with a 10 carat diamond in the house.
13: Hello there, Johnny! Remember me?
9: Yes, I remember you <laughs> You're old Addison Sims of Seattle <laughs> How'd that big deal in Peruvian peanut butter turn out? Or was the issue spread too thin?
5: <laughs> hey!
9: Never mind, I was just practicing my memory course What's the matter, Johnny?
13: Getting kind of forgetful?
9: Always been forgetful, old-timer Why, even when I was a kid in college I was the despair of old Professor Knott So just to please him, I left school saying as I departed, I'm sorry I can't remember things, so just try and forget me not.
5: <laughs>
9: forget me not, McGee, I was known as in them
5: days. Me? <laughs> <Hey. laughs>
9: Forget me not, McGee, frankly a fearful flop at faking a friendly familiarity with folks' faces, frequently frightened that my family would find my faculty for flip flights to fancy was a false front, forever fumbling for a formula to facilitate the free flow of faultless phrases, and finding a pleading flame as the forgetfulness fellow who ever poozled his facts and figures from the frigid fields of the far flung north to the flooded flats of the front of the port.
5: <laughs>
13: Pretty good, Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one fella says to the other fella, Say, say, I see where this here Sally Rand is operating what she calls the nude ranch at the San Francisco Fair. That so, says t'other feller, with his eyes bugging out.
5: <laughs> Did she
13: get out any invitations? No, says the first fella slapping his leg. Just a bare announcement. (laughs) I was out there to take a look, Johnny. You could tell there was cowgirls all right. There was chaps hanging all around the walls.
9: New ranch, eh? No wonder they're holding that fare on an island. Everybody everybody wants to land in a seaplane. Wow. Now, let's see, where was I? Oh, yeah, lesson number three. Visualize your thoughts. Form mental pictures and by association... Hello there, fever Oh, hi there. No, no, wait a minute. Your name is right on the tip of my tongue. Say, what is this? You know my name. <laughs> Sure I do, but let me think of it myself. I can recall it by association. (laughs) He's got something to do with floors. (laughs) He sells something that prevents scratches, scars, and marks. Marks. Harpo marks. Harpo Wilcox.
10: Hi, Harpo.
9: Say, will you talk sense? What's this all about? I'm taking a memory course, Harple. Wonderful, too. See how easy I remembered your name with just a little effort? Well, the lessons haven't done you much good so far. Here, let me test it a little further. Okay. Now, what have I said ever
8: since we've been on the air?
9: About our product. About our product? Now, well, let me think. I know it was something favorable. <laughs>
8: oh, yes!
9: <laughs> you usually say something about how, uh... How is it to use? What's your grammar there, Harple? (laughs) You mean, how is it to you? No, no, to use, U-S-E. Oh, well, let me think. I believe you always say something kind of childish about that there. No, I don't
8: either. I say that blow code is so
9: easy to use that a child can apply it.
8: Now, what do I say about there being no need for so-and-so and and -and so-and-so?
9: Which two so-and-sos you mean, Mills and Novus?
8: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, where I say there is absolutely no blank or blank, no rubbing or buffing, right? Correct. Uh-huh. Now fill in these blanks. Just spread a little sweetness
9: and light.
5: No,
8: no, glow no. coat. Just spread a little glow coat on the floor, all linoleum, with the long handled frying pan. No, the long handled applier. Then wait. How many minutes? Well, what's the difference? I ain't in no hurry. 20 minutes Only 20 minutes Till the glow coat Dries to a beautiful Beautiful what? Housewife? <laughs> no, no, no It dries to a beautiful
9: Mirror-like What? Let me think Dries to a beautiful Mirror-like uh... Finish well, I'm trying to If you leave me alone <laughs> Beautiful Mirror-like uh... Finish Chad rat Quit nagging at me <laughs> I nearly had it there once. <laughs> oh, shucks, I give up. So do I. Goodbye. <laughs> I hope the sponsor didn't notice he went out without giving his sales talk.
5: <laughs>
9: now, let's see, lesson number 3, names of objects may often be associated with Hey, what was that noise? Who's there?
0: Nobody. <laughs>
9: Thank goodness for that. Yes, I'm just nervous. Having that big diamond in the house, and they say there's a bunch of crooks in town, too. Uh-oh. Sneak thieves. Who is it? You're right. It's a burglar... Burgl- a robber. A robber. makes the dad rather much noise. What you trying to do, make me conspicuous? Yeah, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. No monkey business now. Raise your hands. This is a... Stick up. Did you say stick up or hiccup? Come on, get your hands. Get your
5: hands. Get your
9: hands. Stick them up. Okay, but if you keep jerking like that, be careful. That gun might go off. Oh, no, it won't. I got the... I got, I got the safety catch on. I think... <laughs> you think? Well, don't you know? Well, I'm not positive. 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 I'm not sure. Say, are you familiar with familiar with firearms? Well, yeah, fairly. Give me that gun, and I'll tell you if you got the safety catch on. Well, uh, you pro- promise to give it right back.
5: Oh, certainly.
9: What do I want with it? You're the burglar. <laughs> well, that's logic. 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 Yeah, that's right. There. Take a look. Well, the safety catch is on, bud, but what you got that cork stuck in the end of the barrel for? Oh, uh, that, that's a, a silencer. <laughs> all right, hand over the Roger Diamond. Oh, I won't never do no such a thing. I ain't got no diamond here. Now, you go away. I got some studying to do.
13: Say, what's the matter with you? You aren't even frightened. You aren't even frightened. Frightened. Scared.
9: <laughs> of course I ain't. I'd be silly to get scared with my memory. The minute you leave, I will have forgotten all about it. Incidentally, you better do something about them hiccups, bud. How'd you get them? Oh, my kid brother, he gave them to me. Hmm. Are they contagious? Oh, well, no, but, but he put some Mexican jumping beans with my bicarbonate, bicarbonate, so, soda tablets. Well, I'll be going. Good night, good night, good night, so long. The <laughs> way that guy jerks, he could get a job as a chauffeur on a pogo stick. <laughs> Folks, while I study up on my memory course, Billy Mills will accompany the four notes singing. Uh, singing. Oh, shucks, there I go again. Hey, Billy, I forgot the number. Good heavens. Oh, yes. The four notes singing Blue Skies. (laughs) Take it,
10: kids. But bluebird, all day long, oh oh oh, never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by, when you're in love, my how fly. Blue days, all of them gone. Nothing but blue sky from now on. I was blue, blue as I could be. Day for me, and good luck came a knocking at my door. Skies were gray, but they're not gray no more. Blue skies, blue skies smiling at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue, blue, blue birds singing a beautiful song. There's not like bluebird, bluebird from now on. I saw the sun a shining so bright. I never saw things are going so right. Noticing the days are hurrying by. Blue skies all day long. Nothing but blue skies.
9: Four notes, very good If you keep singing like that I'll have to raise your salaries If I didn't have such a terrible memory For little things like that <laughs> Now let's see I better check up and see if that diamond Is still in that glass of water Yep, at least I remembered where that was Now for lesson number five When hearing a stranger's name For the first How time
13: there, good evening Pivot
9: Two. Oh. oh hi, Boomer What can I do for you Before you do me for something
13: I come on an errand of mercy, Scatterskull. Yes, yes. Mercy, what an errand. I come to relieve you of the responsibility of keeping the Roger Diamond. At the suggestion of my dear Abigail, Mrs. Uppington, to you, Hoy Poloy.
9: Oh, yeah, that's what you say, Boomer. But I don't give that diamond to nobody but her, understand?
13: Come, come. Let us not bandy words. Hand over the sparkler,
9: prune pit. <laughs> Must I resort to violence? <laughs> Well, that's a nice resort if you can afford
6: to stay there, Boomer.
9: What's your authority? Authority?
13: The authority of the man who expects soon to be joined in matrimony to the dearest girl in all the world. Or oh, hadn't you heard? Be very glad to have you at the ceremony, Freckleneck. You can be a brakeman on the bride's train. The diamond whistle, stop. The diamond. Come,
9: no. come. Nothing doing. Not unless you got a note from Mrs. Uppington authorizing me to give it to you.
13: Why, certainly, certainly. A note. You betcha. I have a note right here. Someplace. (laughs) Where I put that note, here's a beautiful pigskin wallet I found in the gutter with a drunk lying on top of her. (laughs) Small wire-tapping outfit tap on the wire has saved me many a tap on the shoulder.
9: Come on, Boomer, quit stalling. Let's see the note.
13: Oh, yes, the note. i put that note. See, here's a set of false teeth. I'm training them to snap at pickpockets. <laughs> Periscope for looking over transoms. Very handy to locate house detectives when checking out of hotels. Look before you leap and peek before you pack. Six keys to post office boxes. When I get one more, I'll send them to Jim Farley. Seven keys to ball pay. a check for short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No, no.
6: (laughs) No, I thought so.
13: Imagine my embarrassment. Well, I must be off. Have to see my lawyer about getting a rubber check vulcanized. (laughs) Good day, Chimney Pop.
9: Ah, good old Boomer. He was born in the lap of luxury, but she stood up. (laughs) Let's see
5: now. That's
9: number six. You can train your memory. Oh, no, what the... Come in.
11: Oh, oh, Mr.
9: McGee. Oh, hi,
11: Uppy. Well, I just got in touch with my banker, uh-huh. and he's consented to open the bank vault for me so I can put my diamond away. I'm so sorry to have troubled you, really. Oh, that's
9: all right, Uppy. Have a chair while I try and remember where I put it. Good gracious. Don't you remember where you put it? Well, no, but, but don't worry. Oh. I mean, I've, I've taken five lessons in my memory course now, and I won't have no trouble with it. You know, where did I put that diamond? Diamond, diamond. I wonder
11: Oh, I... Mr. McGee, oh, please. Oh, now, if you couldn't find it, I should... Oh, it would be so... Oh, oh, I feel so faint. Oh, take it
9: easy, Appie. Oh, Here, here, drink this glass of water.
11: Oh, no. <coughs> Mr. McGee, oh, my goodness. <coughs> Oh, not so fast. Oh. There, there. Now, you made me swallow the ice and all.
5: <laughs> <laughs> now,
9: now just, just take it easy, up until, until I remember where I put that diamond.
11: Oh, try, Miss McGee, try. Oh, I'm so worried. Okay,
9: okay. Now, now, let me think it out by association oh. according to lesson number two. I'll visualize it. A diamond makes me think of a ring. A ring, a bell. Bell recalls a church. Church makes me think of A wedding. Wedding, honeymoon, honeymoon, Niagara Falls, falls, water, water, glass. Oh, my gosh.
5: Oh. oh,
11: Mr. McGee, why do you look at me like that?
9: Puppy, are you on a diet? No. Well, this would be a good time to start. Why? You just
6: swallowed ten carrots. <laughs>
9: report from the hospital that Mrs. Uppington and the Diamond are both doing well.
5: <laughs> I
9: sure am glad I decided to do something about my memory. <laughs> I'm like the guy who joined the girl to forget the Foreign Legion. <laughs> hey, Fibber. Huh? Fred Allen used that one weeks ago. Oh, oh, but that ain't the point, Harpo. I remembered it. <laughs> Good night, folks.
8: This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night when we'll have another visit from our old friend, Bezu Pitts. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems for the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented
0: by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.